0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. We finished our study on the letter to the Ephesians recently and I really enjoyed it blessed me a lot. Um, and I think it's a good thing to to take a book of the Bible and to work through it, no? Yeah. Uh, then you really get to know that book or really get to know that letter. Um, and as I was praying this week, I was asking God, Lord, what what letter or what book from the Bible should we should we study next? Um, And what I got was that we should look at the book of Romans, or the letter to the Romans. Mm. (coughs) The letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. So you can open up your Bibles there at Romans. We are going to work through the book of Romans. Um, uh, It's a very meaty, a very meaty, uh, a stark (laughs) word, a very full book. But it's chock-and-block full of goodness. Chock-and-block full of goodness. Amen. I'm sure God has a lot to say to us through the book of Romans. And I'm I'm certain that we will receive a lot. We'll receive a lot from it. But we are going to go through the book of Romans piece by piece. Um, It is one of uh, the Apostle Paul's biggest letters that he wrote. It's actually the longest letter that Paul wrote to the churches. Okay, but first it will be good to get an idea of what the letter as a whole is saying. That will help keep us on track. Like we saw with the letter to the Ephesians, many times we can find the meaning of the verses in the letter itself. No? By looking at the letter, we can give meaning to the individual verses. Okay, That is where we need to find the meaning of any, any word that you are looking for, any scripture we find the meaning first in that letter okay because paul explains it maybe later in the letter okay we need to look at the big picture to give meaning to the small part that we are looking at at the moment okay so no one really knows how the church in rome was started there are some some speculations some theories but i can guarantee you it was because people preached the gospel okay? <laughs> It was because people preached the gospel and disciples were made. Everywhere they went, they preached the gospel and they made disciples. So I guess that is how the church or the churches in Romans was formed. Okay, but it was not a church that was planted by Paul. Okay, The Apostle Paul did not plant the church in, in Romans. <coughs> historians, that is people who study history, historians... Estimate that there was about 1 million people living in Rome at that time that he wrote. 1 million people. Most of those people were Gentiles, uh, non-believers, peoples of other religions. No? Um, but there were many Jews as well. Paul speaks to both Jews and Gentiles in this letter. We can see to who Paul wrote this letter in one, uh, Romans 1 verse 7. Romans 1 verse 7, it says, I am writing to all you in Rome who are loved by God and are called according to his, uh, called to be his own holy people. Okay, so that was who who he was writing to. He wanted his letter to be read by all the believers in Rome, not just one group or church. A letter like this would have been copied by people no? and it would be passed to many churches so that all the believers in Rome could read this. Mm. <coughs> it's like a newspaper almost. Okay, Paul wrote the letter, one church maybe got it, then they made copies and they sent it all over. Okay, The letter to the Romans is all about the gospel. Like many of his letters is. No? Mm. It's all about the gospel. It is a very detailed explanation of the good news. (coughs) uh, A letter that is a lot like Romans is the letter to the Galatians. (coughs) It could be good to read them together or one after the other, but um, they are much the same, Romans and Galatians. Okay, so let's get into Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. We are going to read from verse 1 to 17, and that is what we are going to be talking about today. Romans 1, verse 1 to 17. Okay, as I read through it, listen to what stands out to you, okay? Let's listen and see if we can find the two main things that he wants to talk about here. 1 verse 1 this letter is from Paul a slave of Christ Jesus chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures the good news is about his son In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the son of God when he raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse five. Through Christ, God was God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles. To tell Gentiles everywhere that God, what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. Verse 6. And you are, you are included among these Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Verse 7. I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May, may God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. There's a lot there. <coughs> Verse eight. Let me say first that I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because of your faith, because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart, That this is important, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so that I can bring you some spiritual gift, That will help you grow strong in the Lord. Verse 12 when we get together I want to encourage you in your faith but I also want to be encouraged by yours. Verse 13 I want you to know dear brothers and sisters that I planned many times to visit you but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the unedu- uh, <laughs> unedu- educated <laughs> uneducated <laughs> alike. So I I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Last verse 17. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by works. <laughs> by faith, three times awake. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Amen. Okay, so let's go through it. Romans 1, verse 1 says this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle. And sent out to preach his good news. We see that Paul is the one who sent this letter, from 1 verse 1. And we see how he identifies himself. How does he identify himself? As a Slave. slave, yes, as a servant. Yes, it's the same thing. Let's think for a moment how would we identify ourselves if we were to write a letter? To people who do not know us. What would we say? You will say your name, where you live and probably what job you do. No? Paul was a Pharisee, that means he was a learned man in the, in the, in the, in the scriptures and he was also a tent maker uh, at some point in his life. But Paul doesn't call himself the Pharisee and the tent maker. No? He calls himself, he identifies himself as a slave or a servant of Christ, called to be an Apostle. Amen. Amen. We usually have, a very, have very negative feelings when we hear the word slave. No? Yes. A slave is someone who gives up his own will and puts himself under the will of someone else. But this slavery is something that Paul chose out of love for Jesus. This idea came from an old Jewish tradition in the law of Moses. Deuteronomy 15 verse 16. Deuteronomy 15 verse 16. Paul chooses to call himself a slave, a servant of Christ. What does that mean? Deuteronomy 15 verse 16. So, this is talking about laws with regards to slaves, okay? Uh, In the the Hebrew or the Israelite culture, you could own a slave for seven years. After the seventh year, they call it the year of Jubilee, they had to release their slaves. All the slave owners had to release their slaves, okay? They could go free. They don't have to work anymore, okay? But the slave could choose to stay with his master, to remain a slave, okay? Deuteronomy 15 verse 16 says, But suppose your servant says, I will not leave you because he loves you and your family, and he has done well with you. In that case, take an awl. and An awl is a, a thing that they use in leather work. So it's a... It's a handle with a spike, like a, like a, a, a metal spike. Okay? Um, <clears throat> in that case, take an awl and push it through this earlobe into the door. <laughs> After that, he will be your servant for life. And do the same for your female servants. In Exodus 21 verse 5, it talks about the same thing. But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear. Okay, so they pierced the slave's ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. It's really cool to me that it is completely the choice of the servant whether he wants to stay with the master or not. And when the servant chooses to stay, the master marks the servant with an earring or he pierces his ear. I assume that's for an earring. Why would you pierce someone's ear if not to put an earring in? Okay. And that earring marks that slave as a as lifetime servant. Okay, for the rest of his life he will serve that master. What does that make you think of? Think about it a little bit. Hmm? Hmm? We need to submit our will to Jesus. Yes. Amen. I don't know about you, but I see a picture of salvation. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I see the picture of salvation there. Just like the slave, we get to choose whether we want to be with the Master or not. Oh, yes. Salvation is free, but God does not force anyone <coughs> to take it. Yeah. And when we choose Jesus, we are marked like we are, our, our ears are pierced, spiritually. We are marked. And the sign of God's ownership is the Holy Spirit. Ne? The piercing of the ear represents the Holy Spirit. And if we have chosen Jesus, we are his for life. Eh? Forever. <coughs> we are forever, just like the slave is, uh, a slave for life. Okay? We are God's for- for- forever. We can't lose our salvation. That's really cool. <clears throat> it's really nice to see a picture of salvation and even a, a law about a slave in the Old Testament. That is what we mean when we say the scriptures contain pictures or shadows of Jesus. No? The scriptures are full of pictures like this. So Paul is declaring Jesus as his absolute master. Because of his love for Jesus. You know, because the slave chooses to stay with his master out of love for his master. Ne? A master who has given everything to his servants. A master who made sure that his servants are prosperous and blessed. That is why we can trust God and say, Lord, I am your slave. Tell me how I can serve you. Ne? And there will be no fear. Because we know our master loves us. It's easy to serve a master and be a slave to a master that you know absolutely loves you, that has given everything for you. Amen. But remember that a slave puts the will of the master above his own will. Yes. Um. That is easy to do when the master is God. We need to put God's will above our own. Then, secondly, Paul sees himself as an Apostle. That just means a messenger. Apostle is a messenger. A messenger of Jesus that was sent out or separated. That means put aside for a special purpose. And that purpose is what? If we look at, the, at uh, verse 1. The purpose. To preach the good news. news, Chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the gospel. Like Pastor Isaac said, that is how we need to see ourselves as well. We are a servant. We are messengers of God. Set apart to preach the gospel. Amen. Romans 1 verse 2 God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures The good news is about his son In his earthly life. He was born into King David's family line And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit He is Jesus Christ our Lord Okay Romans 1 Verse 2 to 4. It has always been about faith in Jesus. No? That's what the gospel is about. <coughs> it was promised since the creation of the world. The gospel was woven throughout the Old Testament scriptures like we saw just now. There is no conflict between the Old Testament law and the New Testament grace. I think one of the biggest things, or the biggest reasons, we get this separation, and we get this idea that the law is against grace, is because our Bibles, our modern Bibles, is divided by that page that says New Testament, no? New and Old Testament, but there was always only just one promise. There was only one promise. The Old Testament ministry of law was only temporary until the gospel could be put into effect by the sacrifice of Jesus. Okay, Galatians 3 verse 19. Galatians 3 verse 19. You can open up there. I'm going to read quite a a little bit there. Galatians 3 verse 19. Like I said, Romans and Galatians is much like much much alike. In Galatians, Paul was a bit angry because the people left grace behind and went to, to the law. They wanted to go back to the law where Romans Paul was less angry, <laughs> okay? And Romans is more of a a scholarly, uh, more of an academic type of explanation of the gospel. Galatians 3 verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Okay, now we see the purpose of the law. Okay, are we on the same page? What this is showing us? The purpose of the law. Okay. Yes. 3 verse 19. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside. Alongside. Next to. Alongside. The promise. To show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. Who is it talking about there? Jesus, God gave this law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Oh, yes. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, okay, did not use a mediator when He gave His promise to Abraham. Okay, There was no mediator. God just made a promise to Abraham. That is talking about what? It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about by faith you are saved through God's grace. Amen? That is the promise that He made to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God. By obeying it. Okay? But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So it's saying that if we were able to keep the law, then we would have been then we would have had life. Then we could have been made right with God through our actions. Okay? But it says here, um, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. Because we are prisoners of sin, that is impossible. It is impossible for us to be made right by our own actions, okay? Exactly, that's why Jesus had to come, yeah. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, the way of faith in Christ was available to us. Uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) Before, before, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. and now that the way of faith has come, now that Jesus has come ne, we no longer need the law as our guardian, for you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ Amen. Jesus. Amen. Yes <coughs> There has always been only one promise, okay? And that promise runs from Genesis to the end of time. The conflict between law and grace comes when people try to mix the two. We do that a lot, okay? We do that a lot. We try to mix law and grace. The two cannot be mixed, it is not meant to be mixed. The Old Testament law paved the way for the Gospel and pointed men towards the Gospel. Okay, like I said, the law's purpose is to show men that they have sinned. Yeah. It points us then, it tells you, you have sinned, you need Jesus. That is the purpose yeah. of the law. the law. The law is used to point out man's need for a Saviour. It is to show man that he cannot save himself, and then the gospel shows the way to be saved and have relationship with God, which is through faith. Okay. <clears throat> um, let's see. I don't know if I need to make this illustration. But Philip, come stand here in front for me, please. Anthony, come here. So I am the Lord. Okay. Stand here. <laughs> it's a simple, stupid illustration, but so I am the law. Eh? Uh. I am guiding her to Jesus. Amen. Now does she need the law? No, no, because she has Jesus. Amen. That's it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's beautiful. <laughs> beautiful illustration. <yeah. laughs> okay. So we had the law. The law was our, or our, our guardian to take us to Jesus yeah. now that we are with Jesus we as believers don't need the law ok yeah. <clears throat> let's see when we go around telling people they need to repent by stop sinning we are missing it completely mm. ok ok it is not the message we as messengers are supposed to preach. If people, if, well if someone is self-righteous, no? meaning they think the things they do will put them in right relationship with God. They think they are good enough to go to heaven. Then you could use the law to show them that their deeds are not enough. No? The law is God's standard. God's standard of holiness is the law. Okay, and no one can meet that standard. So you show them, someone who believes that they are good enough, okay? You show them the law to, to show them that they are not, and that they need Jesus, okay? They are not as good as they think they are. And then, and then, and only then are we to show them the law. What is the message we need to preach? Faith in Jesus Christ Amen. that he is God who came to earth as a human being that is the point that Paul was making here when he says in Romans 1 verse 3 to 4 that Jesus was born into King David's family line okay Paul makes a point Jesus was a real person okay and he was born as a son of David and he was shown to be the son of God when He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> this is the message that people need to hear and believe in order to be saved. The Amen. historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead proves that Jesus was and is God. Amen. No? And that proves that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Amen. The only way to God. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Christianity is set apart from all other religions. We have a living Savior. No other religion has that. Romans 1 verse 5. Romans 1 verse 5. Romans 1 verse 5 Through Christ God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles once again change that word apostle in your mind change it to messenger Okay, authority as messengers to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them does it say to tell Gentiles everywhere what we need to do for God no What God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. Here we see once again, we are not called to preach the law, because the law is what you need to do for God. Okay? We preach grace, what Jesus has done for us, what God has done for them. The authority we have is to preach that message. We do not have the authority to preach any other message okay we the our authority the purpose of our authority is to preach the gospel okay it says here that people will believe and obey him true heart belief will lead to obedience what you believe you will do okay in romans 1 verse 8 we see the effect of their faith Romans 1 verse 8 says, Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith in Him is being talked about all over the world. Okay, Their faith in Christ was bearing so much fruit that the news of it spread throughout the whole world, the known world at that time. Their faith had actions. Okay, Their faith had fruit. Their faith led to obedience. This means, uh, this needs to be true of us today as well. Grace Life Solaris Pass needs to be spoken of at least here in Solaris Pass. Not so that we can be famous or be respected or anything like that. But for the impact that we are making for God in this community. This church is here for a reason. We have been here for four years. And you have been here longer than that, before we started Grace Life, no? We need to start making a change. And I believe you are. I believe we are already. Okay? Amen. We are here to bring the light of the gospel into a village that desperately need eternal life. This is what will bring glory to the name of Jesus. When people are born again and making disciples, this community needs to hear the true, pure gospel of God's grace. Not church traditions, not the law of Moses, but the gospel. Amen? And that's why we are going to do an outreach next Saturday, by the way. Okay, 4th fourth, fourth November we are going to go out, we're going to gather here at church um, at 9 o'clock and we're going to go and preach the gospel in the streets, amen? amen. amen. That is what we have the authority to do as messengers, amen. that is who we are, amen? Romans 1 verse 6, Romans 1 verse 6. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing this to the Romans at that time. But this applies to us as well. Amen. Amen. Paul is here. Right here. Paul is talking to you. And me. You are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing to all of you in Rome. Who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Sure. This verse shows us that all people, all people are called to belong to Christ Jesus. All people are loved by God. And all people are called to be God's own holy people. Another word for call. We are called. What does that mean? It means we are invited. Okay? God invites all people to come to Him through the gospel. Amen? Titus 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Okay? Some people believe that God chose only some people. (laughs) I don't want to name them. Some people believe that God chose some people to be saved and some to be not saved, okay? They call that predestination, but they've got a wrong understanding of it. Um, That it is God's choice who gets saved and who doesn't. That's not true. true. God invites all people, okay? Like, I, I think I've said this before. You don't have to wonder, do I need to share the gospel with this person? Do I need to share the gospel with that person? Everyone you see, everyone you encounter in your daily life, they have been invited. Amen? They have been invited and it is your responsibility as a slave and a messenger of Christ to extend that invitation to them. Amen? Amen? It's like God arranges a party. And He gives you this stack of papers, invitations. And He says, go and invite. Go invite everyone. You take that stack. You don't have to wonder, do I have to give it to this one? Do I have to give it to this one? You give it to everyone you see. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, amen. The sad thing is that not everyone accepts this invitation. Verse 7 says that we are loved by God. The, new King, uh, the King James Version says, Beloved, God didn't save us because He felt sorry for us or because He felt obligated. He saved us because of His infinite love for us. God's motive behind the Gospel is pure love. We need to ask ourselves what our motive is for preaching the Gospel. No? Our motive also needs to be love. Amen. Romans 1 verse 9. Romans 1 verse 9. Yes. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about His Son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come, t- uh, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. Okay. Two things stand out to me from this verse. How do we serve God? What? Praying? Let's look at the verse. What does the verse say? Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve, this is Paul speaking, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news. The, good news. the answer is right there, eh? by spreading the good news about His Son. Okay. People sometimes think that they are serving God when they are actually just serving the physical needs of people. Running a soup kitchen is a good thing, but it is not serving God. Building houses for the homeless, fixing people's roofs (laughs) is a good thing, but it is not serving God, unless, unless it is used as tools to create opportunities. To preach the gospel, preach and share the gospel. amen. And I know that's what Philip and Rita has been doing. And why do we feed the poor? Why do we build people's houses? Why do we fix people's roofs? Because we love them. But serving God is preaching the gospel. Amen? Amen. Whatever we do in ministry, the end goal has to lead to the preaching of the gospel. We minister to people to bring them to a place where they can preach the gospel. Yes. Secondly, what I see in this verse is that Paul valued community. He valued community. He prayed for opportunities and he longed. He had for long. He longed to visit the believers in Rome. No. Why did Paul value the church so much? The answer is in Romans 1, verse 12. <coughs> Romans 1, verse 12, it says. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit, just as I have seen among other Gentiles." (coughs) The purpose of gathering together like we do every Sunday and in life groups in the week is so that we can encourage each other. Amen? I'm always encouraged by you guys when we meet. I trust I encourage you as well. (laughs) Paul wanted to bring them some spiritual gift that would help them mature in the Lord. The gifts of the Holy Spirit in each of us is given so that we can build each other up. Strengthen each other. Why? To fulfill the mission together. Amen? To preach the gospel together. That is the purpose of community. We are not just a family. We are a family on a mission. Amen? Paul says that he planned to visit Rome many times, but he was prevented. We see what prevented uh, him in Romans 15. Romans 15 verse 20. You can go there. What prevented Paul from going to the Romans and preaching the gospel to them? Romans 15 verse 20. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. That is mainly the reason. Eh? To preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures. And here Paul quotes scriptures again. Eh? Like we said earlier, the gospel is all throughout the Bible. Those who have been told about him will see. And those who have never heard him will. Heard of him will understand that is talking about the preaching of the gospel in fact my visit to you has been delayed so long because i have been preaching in these places so the reason was because he was preaching the gospel to people who needed it more who needed to hear it more those in rome there was already a church in rome there were already many believers in rome They didn't need the Gospel so desperately, okay? Where Paul was, there was people around him that needed the Gospel. Amen? People that never heard it. That's why he didn't go to Rome. It's not because God stopped him or anything like that. It's because where he was, there was people who needed to hear the Gospel. Romans 1 verse 14. Romans 1 verse 14. Romans 1 verse 14, For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome too to preach the good news. Okay. Paul was driven to preach the gospel to all people. This was one of the attitudes that Paul had that motivated him to travel to the ends of the earth and constantly lay his life on the line for the sake of Christ. An obligation, no? He says, I have a great sense of obligation to all people so that they might hear the Gospel, no? For Paul, preaching the Gospel was not an optional thing. It was not an optional thing. He realized the need for all men to hear the gospel. We need to take that same attitude. We have a duty to share Jesus with the dying world. It is not optional. If you were unsaved, would it be optional to you? Peace. <laughs> yeah. The world is actually begging us to preach the gospel to them. Without them knowing it. Okay? They don't know they need it, but they need it. It is not optional for them, because if they don't hear the gospel, what a terrible end, no? How can the love of God dwell us if we are right there to say, go to hell and It's not optional. It's not optional. Amen. Romans 1 verse 16, we are almost finished, guys. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Many times we want to look for big miracles. We want to, we, we think how awesome it would be to see the Red Sea open when Moses put his staff in the water. We want to see water turn into wine. We want to see the dead raise from the dead dead rose from the dead, yeah. <laughs> nee? We want to see miracles. But the greatest thing, the gospel, the good news, is the power yeah. at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. That is phenomenal. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. Do you know how many people want to know this? How to be right in the sight of God? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. faith. You don't sound convinced. (laughs) What's here? By faith. Amen. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Many churches use the word gospel to describe all kinds of things that it is not. Literally, Paul is talking about the nearly too good to be true news. That is how good the gospel is. It's almost too good to to be true, to believe. But it is. eh? It is. Paul is talking about the nearly too good to be true news of the grace of Christ it is the power of god unto salvation that is a great statement one of the great things that is missing in the christian church today many churches are not really preaching the good news and that is it's it's mind blowing to hear that because you guys hear the gospel almost every day every sunday but There are actually people, there are actually places in this world where the gospel is not preached and the gospel, the word gospel, has another meaning altogether. Instead, they are condemning people, basically telling them that there is a God, there is a devil, there is a heaven, there there is a hell. Sin has separated us from God and if we don't repent, we go to hell. Those are all statements that are true, but they are not the gospel. Again, the word gospel means the nearly too good to be true news. They are true statements, but that isn't the good news. The thing that makes the gospel specifically good news is the grace of God. Amen. Acts 20 verse 24. Acts 20 verse 24. Handelinga it says but my life is worth nothing to me this is paul speaking there my life is worth nothing to me unless i use it for finishing the work assigned me by the lord jesus wow i wish i had such a such an attitude and it's just a choice of accepting it eh? the work of telling others The good news about the wonderful grace of God. Okay? So just from this verse, what do we see the good news is about? What is the good news about if you just had to read this one verse? Let's look at it again. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What is the gospel about? The The grace of God. Galatians 1 verse 6. Galatians 1 verse 6 says, I marvel, he is surprised, that you are so soon removed, taken away, moved away from him, that is Jesus, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel so what is the gospel about the grace. the grace of Christ those two words are interchangeable okay they mean exactly the same if you hear gospel you need to hear the word grace amen if a person isn't preaching the grace of god that you receive all god has And everything Jesus has purchased for us on an unearned, unearned means you cannot earn it, undeserved, undeserved means you cannot deserve it, they aren't preaching the pure gospel. In the short four years that I have been here in Salaris Pass, it seems to me that it is also the case here. Believers have a wrong or incomplete understanding of what it means to repent. On say, bekeer yourself, bekeer yourself, yeah. repent, repent. Yeah. But what do you mean by that? They think it's all about stopping sin. Even though that is good, it's good to stop sin. Né? It's good to stop sinning. Because sin destroys people's lives. Yeah. Né? That is not the solution. And that is not the message that we are to preach. Because it is not the gospel, no? One of the biggest problems in Christianity is that we add things to the gospel. And what we add is usually works, what we can do. You need to stop sinning. You need to give. Go to church. Serve. Those things are good and it's necessary to do, no? But what is the reason? It is not the message that has the power to save a person's soul. Only the message of the gospel, the message of the grace of God yes. has the power to save those who believe and make them right with God. Amen. Amen. Uh Titus. Not by works of righteousness but by Amen. Not by works of righteousness but by but according to His mercy he saved us by the washing of let